ladies and gentlemen, what is going on? Welcome back to the Small Victories Inside Notes podcast. I am one half of your dynamic duo, Renea. We got the big homie, DJ. Yo. And we have a special guest, the homie, Ahmad. I've been listening to some of your podcasts, man, and you have a real nice format. The way you do business is great. Glad to have you. I appreciate that. Thank you for having me on. So the reason we have Ahmad here as our guest on this episode, we're going to do something different, right? Instead of just me and me and uh, Sway giving you our back and forth, we're going we're gonna to break down a couple of uh, albums, right? So Ahmad came up with the concept. I think it's a great concept. Uh, we both, we all three of us picked an album from the past 10 years, right? One each. And then we picked an album from 2020. It's been a crazy year. Oh, yeah. And then we're going to break it down for you guys, right? And I think it's going to be amazing. I don't know Ahmad's picks yet, so I'm really interested to find out. I know Sway's picks, and obviously I know my picks. So stay tuned for that. It's going to be a great one. So Ahmad, I'll let you uh, introduce yourself for sure. Shout out your uh, your socials and, and anything you want these guys to know, and then we'll kick it off with our small victories as always. Yeah, no doubt. Thank you. So uh, my name is Ahmad, uh, the host of Thinking Outside the Boombox um, it's a hip hop and R&B podcast. Uh, I've been hosting it for, I think it's going on six years now. Yeah. Uh, so I generally just try to, you know, kind of review what the big topics in both genres have been uh, every episode. And then I usually try to do a, a big dig deeper topic toward the end. So that's like album reviews, things like that. So, yeah, I think I'm uh, I think I'm like 150 something episodes strong. So Dedication. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm out here. <laughs> six years. Yeah. That is what we strive to be. That dedication. That, that is incredible. I I did not know that. That is amazing, man. Shout out to you. Yeah, yes. thank you. I can go first on my small victories. Man, so let me know what you got. Let me know what you got. Small victories. Um, I will say it's been a tough week for me. Let me tell you. Okay. Just got back to work, huh? Yeah, I just got back to work from being on leave. Uh, my wife just went underway. I'm actually not sure what I'm gonna pull from this besides. <laughs> The fact that I didn't know that I could be out so late and late for me, quote unquote, is past 1700, a.k.a. 5 o'clock p.m. Because my wife's not home. My dogs are at my mom's. I literally when I leave work, I go somewhere else before I go home. I don't come home until like 18, which is 6 p.m. or 19, which is 7 p.m. See, that's weird for me. I just I just can't be at home and it's too quiet. It's like it's too quiet. But the small victory from that is apparently I have life that I didn't have. They didn't know I had. <laughs> apparently so you've been neglecting a whole nother like facet or, or side of your, your life you didn't know about that's crazy yes no no clues hey that's when when you're happy and you're blissful you you just ignore all the side the side noise right i mean true goofball <laughs> all right uh is that all you got for me or you got yeah that's got all i got else? man it's been it's been a it's been a tough week all right, all right well, well i'm gonna carry the small victories this week because i got a couple of them right please so let's start off with, I started a new job Monday, right? This is the job that I wanted after I got out of the Navy and I realized that law enforcement wasn't for me, right? Because I originally wanted to get out and, and do the cop thing and then the world exploded with protests and it, it didn't change the, the reason for me wanting to join, but it definitely switched up my plan, right? So once that, that changed, this was the next job. I was like, you know, this is a really well-paying job. This is a job that I, I can fit into smoothly no problem and so i've just been chilling waiting for this job to come open or or a job to come open and this this came open i got an interview a couple weeks ago 
applied for it one day, got the job or interview like three days later, got the job like three days later. So it was a really quick turnaround. I'm happy um, for you. Appreciate it. Right. So like, I'm blessed to say that during this time of, of struggle with people were losing jobs, layoff unemployment at a crazy all time high. I got, you know, I got, I got a good job. Right. So um, that's, that's, that's a huge one for me. Also with that, my daughter, who's a three-year-old who's been sheltered her entire life. And so she's been with me, me her mom mostly, or me. And now she gets to go to daycare and play with other kids, which to me is like the biggest thing because I want her to have like people her own age to play with. So right. that's another small victory for me is like, I, I get to see my daughter go out there and have fun with other kids. Nerve wracking, but like, it's a positive thing. Happy yeah, for man. you. I'm happy for her yeah, actually. Dope. dope. All right, uh, Ahmad, I want to uh, go let, let you go ahead and get the last uh, small victories, man. What's, what you got for me? Man, it's been a it's been a real, really normal week. I'm trying to think if I got anything really small. I guess the small victory for me uh, is I was able to finish all my Christmas uh, shopping this week without my wife figuring out any of the gifts that I got. Oh, that's her. What's up. <laughs> so yeah, that's You're definitely my, my small victory of the week, and I'm. I'm I'm really like a, a big person on like gift giving. I for some something about it. I love giving people gifts. I love like figuring out something that maybe they didn't know they needed that I just peeped or something like that. I just I'm I'm all about like giving people gifts. And so I'm just kind of excited for Christmas. That's one of my favorite holidays. So yeah, I'm I'm hyped for that. I, I, need, I need pointers from you, man, because I'm the worst gift giver. I swear. <laughs> I wrapped I two receiving. gifts today. Oh. I, I, I hate receiving gifts, but I also hate like Shopping because I don't I don't really know what to get people. Mm-hmm. It's rough. Yeah, it's like a it's it's honestly it's like a a twenty four seven thing. Like I always got my ears open. I'm like it's it'll be like like June or something. I'll be like oh I peeped that she said she needed that. Right, I'm gonna write that down. And then by the time December come, I've got a whole list of stuff. You know what I mean? Ladies and gentlemen, this is who you need to listen to. Right? <laughs> June, write that shit down, okay? <laughs> I'm over here thinking about summer. This man over here thinking about Christmas shopping. <laughs> hey, he's out here. Hey, Early he's bird. A, he's an OG to the game. I really need. I really needed that. I'm gonna do that shit next year. I'm gonna be thinking about it in January. For real. But I, that was a good one, man. Like the small victories, the way we we tell people, it's the mundane, the monotony of life can can get you down sometimes, or just like put you in a very blah mood. So you have, mm-hmm. to, you have to find those little small victories in, in just a day of the week just to break that cycle up. But you feel me? Yeah, I like that. That's a good one. All right. With that being said, Sway, go ahead, go ahead and kick off this whole thing. All right. So now that you've uh, heard some small victories, we've introduced our guest, Ahmad. Make sure you check him out. Make sure you follow him. We are ready sure. to talk about our topic of the day, right, the right, album right, right. that we have chosen. Sway, the big homie, DJ actually chose this one. Okay. Yep. To Pimp a Butterfly by Kendrick Lamar. We all know that was a great album, but why did you choose this album? I, I want to start off by saying that this album and Friday Night Lights to me are like the two most important albums I've ever listened to in my life. And Friday Night Lights for, for a specific reason, because J. Cole hit me at a certain time. When that mixtape dropped, I considered it an album, but when it dropped, it meant more. After that one, this is the, this is my next one because when this album came out, it changed the way, not listen to music, but the way people... So when he dropped this album, this wasn't the album that people were expecting. This wasn't Good Kid, Mad City. Everyone fell in love with Kendrick because of Good Kid, Mad City. It was raw. It was a gritty album. It was a great album. And he got mainstream uh, listens, views. The, the whites listened to it, right? And then for him to come out 
with To Pimp a Butterfly, which was a black empowerment, just great album for the for us. After getting that exposure, most artists would have just went left like, oh, these people want to listen to me? I'm, I'm going to go down this lane. I'm going to stay down this lane and just make this money. He was like, no, you guys listen to me? I'm going to give you something to listen to. And he dropped this album. And that, to me, was just an important, important thing. I agree completely. Uh, when he dropped this in uh, 2015, I believe it said. Mm-hmm. Um, if we if we think back to like what was going on in 2015, right? We had Trayvon Martin, right? Murdered. Later, so it was Mike Brown. Uh, it's just a lot, a lot of things going on in the community. Oh yeah. Correct me if I'm Man. wrong on those timelines too. I think Color Kaepernick was either coming up on his kneeling or mm-hmm. about to. Yeah. For him to drop this album, and I think All Right was actually one of the main songs that people would play. It was during the during the protest, right? That's how an appropriate song for for those times I, I feel. And for him to drop this album, I can't stress that enough. That this dude, like, if y'all remember when Good Kid, Mad City came out. Everybody fell in love with it, right? I don't, I don't care who you were, black, white, Asian, Hispanic. They fell in love with it. And for him to turn around and, and go from, all right, I'm not going to go more mainstream with it. I'm going to give you guys, me, my people. I'm going to show y'all love. And that, to me, is why I love this album so much. The music is great. We can get into that. But, but as far as like a personal reason for me, it's that. I, I will always respect that dude for doing that. I agree. I um, it was it was so timely, and uh, I did a I did a tournament to figure out what like the best hip hop album was of the of the last decade, um, maybe back in March. And to pimp a butterfly ended up winning. And the the one thing that just kept coming up whenever I had conversations with people about this album is like this album was for us. Like it was so powerful all the messages that he layered throughout the album through each song he was speaking to us for us and it was what we needed at the time and i'll i will I'll, i love good, good kid mad city it was it was one of my favorite albums the year it came out but to pimp a butterfly will always be my favorite kendrick album because like the the risk that he took to come off of an album as gritty and hard as good kid mad city then to like have songs with like jazz and funk influences. It's just like artists don't do that nowadays. And that's why this was so powerful because he did it and he like, he killed it and he, he made something for us. And that's why I always respect him for that. Right off the bat, the first, the very first song he sampled, uh, George uh, Clint, I want to say is, is yeah. his name, from the gate. And when I first listened to it and I first heard that song, I was like, okay, before I even get to the song, the album cover, People yeah. don't understand mm-hmm. like how how the what he was going for. He really was trying to show love to us. This album means a lot to me. That dude is like one of the best. He will always be one of the best ever. That album is my favorite album. I mean, you're right about that. Like good good kid, Man City, great album. Section eighty, great. Mm-hmm. But some Peppa Butterfly dropping it the way he did when he did, and for the reasons he did to me will always be just amazing. I think uh, too with the cover. Because I, I was looking at it, I was listening to the album today in full to make sure I could digest everything perfectly. I watched a video on Instagram and he talked about how those are all his homies on that album cover. Those, every single one of those people he knows and he brought them out there. They took that picture. And then uh, if nobody's peeped it for you guys listening, there's a judge that's a uh, man down there <laughs> on the bottom, you know, and, and he talked about how that just the judge usually typically, quote unquote, writes people off. You know what I mean? But we never know these people's stories each one of those people he said are his homies and they have stories and they're great people yeah that's real powerful since we're talking about you know george clinton on the first track we're gonna do a track by track breakdown so let's hop into it 
we can start with Wesley's Theory. Sway, I know that's uh, your favorite song. He really enjoyed Wesley's Theory. Now, now for me, when this uh, album came out, 2015, I believe it was my senior year. And I was one of those people that was just getting into Kendrick. So I had just heard like, uh, I think it was like the swimming pool type mm-hmm. Kendrick. And I, I hadn't really dug too deep into uh, Section 80 and Good Kid, Mad City, just like the couple uh, radio plays. This song is something that I appreciated more later than I did when I first heard it. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was on the radio. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, it wasn't one of the singles. I don't think it got radio play. Okay, so no radio play. It's definitely a good intro right off the bat. Like right off the bat, he said, George Clinton, you know, you've got the every nigga is a star coming out right off the bat. So you already know mm-hmm. what, what type of uh, flavor we're getting. So for me, the intro, and I, we've discussed this many times. The intro for me is, is what makes the album or breaks the album. Like I can listen to the intro and, and, t- and tell a good level of confidence if I'm going to like the album or not. He started this album off the way he ended this album. Like it's really hard for, for an artist to, to start an album like the intro in a certain way and then end it like it kind of goes in and out of the theme of the album, if that makes sense. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. This man started it off like you just said, way. every nigga is a star. And he was letting y'all know, look, this this is this is for us, right? I'm not big on, on the beats and everything, or you know, it's not who I am. But to have the samples he had on that I knew anything about, like I'm not I'm not old enough to know who George Clinton really is. Like I, I don't. But he introduced me to that sound, which was a sound that to be honest, I don't think I really cared for to be honest until I, until I heard this album. I heard them like, oh, yeah, you know, that's kinda that's kinda that's different. Yeah, it's dope, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah, right. So he so he gave you, I, I don't want to talk this point to death, but to, to come off of Good Kid, Mad City and the grittiness of that and then to give you just this funky, just, just amazing intro. I can't say enough about it, man. I can't. Yeah, and it, he, he set the tone for the album in such a, a great way. Like musically, you know, right off the bat, it was funky. It was jazzy. He was showing off the fact that this is going to be a completely different vibe than Good Kid, Mad City. Um, and then also thematically, you know, he set the tone because, you know, he was talking about, you know, in the in the grand theme about how, you know, rappers get pimped by the industry, um, by Uncle Sam and stuff like that. And he he went right into that with his two verses in this in this song. And so I think it was it was great for him to, like, let us know, like, yo, this is for us. And this is what I'm talking about on this album. So like lock in. Like I, this, this is the song I've listened to the album, like maybe a few times this week, just randomly. Wesley's theory is the song that always just starts playing in my head. It's so catchy. And so I'm just, I'm just walking around just like singing it all week because it's, it's the one song that just keeps coming back to mind. <laughs> he is Kendrick Lamar. So he gives you bars. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. He came in with straight flames. <laughs> <laughs> he came off with, 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 some some dope bars on that to come off of that beat with with the bars he came off with man was was a great 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 song right but then it leads to for free and i want to know how you feel about that interlude um if you don't mind going into it oh yeah the the fact that he he came in with some spoken word over a jazz like interlude like it's it's incredibly difficult. I think not that I'm a rapper, but just like, it seems like it would be incredibly difficult to flow over jazz because like the rhythm is, is so much less consistent than like hip hop beats and stuff like that. And the fact that he, 
was able to just flow over this this jazz instrumentation perfectly. And then he continued the same theme, um, kind of using a metaphor of a woman trying to, you know, take him for all his money the same way that America is doing the same thing to Black people and not giving them anything for it, you know, putting them into slavery and then not recognizing them as real people. Like, the how deep he got in this interlude flowing crazy over this jazz i was just like oh this is this is about to be like nothing i have ever heard in my life so i like like both of you i went back and listened to this album a couple times this week it's always in rotation but like just the whole album beginning and i tried to go back to 2015 me listening to this album and, and just playing track by track and when i heard this song and i heard this ain't free i'm like oh yeah. <laughs> this is for me right and I, and like young minded me was like oh this this is about all these women trying to take us a young man from our, our money mm-hmm. and how wrong I was at the time, how misguided I was. Right. This dude was, was like you just said, was speaking on the industry, just taking everything and anything they could from, I'm going to say black men. Right. Cause they do, it, mm-hmm. they do it more often than not towards rappers. And he, he, he did it in a way where I didn't even catch it at first. It was so subtle, it was but very not subtle. really subtle. So it was crazy to me to, to go back and listen to him. Like, Yo, he I, when I wasn't listening for it, I couldn't hear it. But as soon as I got the concept, now it's something you just can't unhear. Mm-hmm. He spoke on not just the the industry, but he spoke on Uncle Sam, which he got into a lot on this on this this project. And we're, we're, there's definitely more songs we can get to about the American aspect of it, right? And how they they treat us. Mm-hmm. You're right, like just the way he did it, just the ease in which he did it, and just the subtlety to me just was amazing on this this interlude. It was an interlude. Yeah, that's that's the thing. When I, I went to listen to it t- today, actually, and, you know, typically when you think of interludes, it's it's more like a skit. There's just a little bit of music playing. The wordplay, the lyricism, the, the metaphors was very unexpected, but very great, honestly. I, when I listened to it this morning, I honestly don't think I had listened to it that deep. So my first thought was, you know, oh, this is about, you know, male and female. I didn't catch the metaphor until I listened to it a second time this morning. And I was like, oh, shit, that's crazy. <laughs> that's crazy. I was like, yo, that shit blew right past me. <laughs> no, and that's that's real because there's, there's a couple of tracks later on, like and later on the project where I it took me a couple of years to really to, to catch a bar that I didn't, I didn't hear before. I'm like, yo, yo, that's that is a crazy bar. I think it was. um, oh, I can't remember the track. It was, it's later in the project. Some um, I want to say it was you ain't got to lie. Mm. He said he, he said a bar that just I just found out about that like a couple months ago. I'm like, damn. Just thinking about how that that bar just just hit me years after the album came out, and I've listened to this album so many times, and I just not caught it. <laughs> let's let's reemphasize that this dropped in 2015. So think about how far ahead Kendrick was. We're in yeah. 2020 right now, you know. And I and I feel like that's that's when you really know that an album is a classic. When like five years later, you still like finding new stuff in it like on all the listens i did this past week there was still a bunch of stuff that was like yo i didn't even recognize that's what he was doing and it's it's five years later like dozens of listens later and it's just like it's still hitting me a different way like i feel like that's when you know that an album is a masterpiece like for real for sure like even i said this in the beginning i really underappreciated this album like there were so many people when this album dropped that were like nah this is a miss what is he doing this is crazy. Mm-hmm. And now you, you look back at that like, yo, what were you talking about? <laughs> like, what was your deal? For real. So I, I do want to get into that a little bit before we, we get to the next song. I knew a lot of people who didn't like the album when it first dropped. And they were like, what is he doing? 
mm-hmm. and they just didn't get it. You couldn't see. I mean, none of us could really see what he was going for. But there was there, there was there's plenty of us who were like, no, nah, this this is, this is for me. That's all I care about. I know he made this this album for us, so I'm good with that. But there were there were people like like Sway said that just wasn't, and and it's not their fault. But you just you just that wasn't what you you were you wanted to hear. That's wasn't you weren't expecting that. Because think about that. He his first three projects, this was a complete 180. Look mm-hmm. at his 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 first three projects. Nothing nothing had this 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 type of this flow this vibe. None of this. It was new. Yeah, and people people had certain expectations, especially after Good Kid, Mad City, because just like like to pimp a butterfly, Good Kid, Mad City came out. A lot of people was like, "Yo, this is an instant classic," and because of that style, people were like, "Oh, his next album's gonna be just like that. It's gonna be even harder." And then when he came with this, like you know, jazz jazzy type album, they was like, "Yo, this is whack." I knew, I, I just like y'all, I knew so many people that was like, "Nah, this is a miss." Kendrick, he's falling off, and I was like, just. Just wait on it. Just wait on it. It's it's, it's stuff in there for real. <laughs> but before I, before I heard the record, I saw the album cover. I was like, oh, this is, this is gonna be something I want. I want to give my full undivided attention to. Right. Mm-hmm. Not just because it's Kendrick, but it's uh, yeah. This is gonna be something I want. Moving on to track three, King Kunta. It was the first single he dropped. I want to say it was the first or second. I think all right might have been second or the first like just song he dropped on the album. He started off the record. I got a bone to pick. I don't want you mother- <laughs> my motherfucker sitting in my throne again. Come on. <laughs> like, come on. Hard hitter, bro. Came out come on, the right man. hook. Mm-hmm. Name the song King Kunta. <sighs> what more what more do I need to say? <laughs> like, I mean, let's let's be honest, man. Like I we could literally just go bar for bar. This dude just, just he gave you everything. Everybody wanna cut them legs off of him. Come on, bro. Mm-hmm. He was giving y'all bars. Black man taking no losses. This is to me when I started to feel the, the black empowerment. Like you, you kind of heard it in the beginning. The second song was 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 different. But this is when I was like, okay, okay, this is this is something else. This is something that I know a segment of, of the population is going to like because it it isn't it isn't poppy. Yeah, it isn't like directly what they wanted. I do have one question though. Maybe one of you guys can answer it for me. What is the yam? Is this a metaphor? Because <laughs> um, I know I like yams. Yams are good. Is it a metaphor? Like, what are we talking about here? Yeah, I, I always the way I always took it was like he was saying, like when you like when you at the top, like when you got the yams, like when you when you okay. the one on top, everybody going to be trying to come at you, trying to cut your legs out from under you. That's how I always interpret it. But, you know, I know so many people who like got so many different things from that. But that's when, when I first heard it. That was the first thing that I thought he was talking about. OK, that makes sense. I was like, I don't know if this is like some Cali slang because <laughs> I'm not from that side. I'm from mm-hmm. the East Coast, so I'm like, maybe I'm missing something there. But I, I'm, I'm trying to get with it. But, like, one of the first things, because I, I wrote a couple notes, but, like, one of my first things is when this song comes on, it's immediately, like, we've been talking about that jazz and that funk, get you going, get you, you know, like, swaying and nodding your head. Like, okay, this is about to be something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, um, man, he was talking his shit on this song. Like, and, and he was doing that and, like, you know, kind of, like, kind of with the title of it, King Kunta, like, yo, like, I'm the one. And at the same time, he continued to elevate that theme because he's like, yo, there's a lot of ways you can be corrupted because to, to go even further into the whole like butterfly cocoon thing that he kind of crafted where, you know, when you get to the top and when you're on your way to the top, there's a lot of people who try to come at you and you can be corrupted by your surroundings. And he kind of compared that to the cocoon. And if you can make it past that, you become a butterfly and you become the best flyaway, all of that type of stuff. 
And so the fact that he was able to still continue to like reinforce this theme, just three songs in, in such clever ways was, this was one of, I think the most fun songs on the album, because like, it's also like, it's got a, a certain energy about it that like, it really makes you want to move. I've, I've seen people electric slide to King Kunta. Like it's oh, really? <laughs> like, it's, it's something about like, it's, it's because all of that funk that he put in it, borrowing from like George Clinton, the parliament's like funk style. It makes you want to move. But at the same time, he's got like a message behind it. And so I, I really, I really like this song. I don't want to say hidden, but it's like, okay, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you this thing you could vibe to. And then, yeah, I'm going to talk my shit on it too. So you either, mm-hmm. you're going to be listening to it for one of the other reasons. We are back here with uh, Ahmad. Renee here, uh, the homie DJ, say a quick prayer for him or, you know, put it out into the spiritual world or whatever. Uh, his daughter's feeling a little under the weather. And so he's taking care of that. So he won't be with us for the rest of the review. But uh, me and Ahmad got it with the homie in mind. No doubt. So on that note, uh, we're going to get into track four of To Pimp a Butterfly, Institutionalized. What is one of the things that stuck out to you for that? One of the things I really liked about this song is probably the beat switch. Something about the way the production just goes to another level at that beat switch is so tight. And then also in the second verse of that, he starts rapping a lot more aggressively. And it it almost sounds exactly like how he was rapping on Good Kid, Mad City. And I took that because in that particular verse where he's talking about like how he brought his homies, I think it was the BET Awards or something. Yeah, BET Awards. And they was they was looking at all these rich people like trying to rob them and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, maybe he's rapping like he was on Good Kid because he's writing it from the perspective of the people from his neighborhood. He was putting himself back in their mindset, same way he was when he was on Good Kid Man City. And that was just another, you know, inkling of Kendrick's genius and how detailed he is in his music. But yeah, this song is dope. You know, it people being institutionalized on so many different levels kind of was all up in the theme of this album, institutionalized by racism, classism, people, artists being institutionalized by the industry. So yeah, I really like this song. What'd you think? Honestly, everything that you said is the exact same like notes and, and vibe that I had as well. The first few things I noticed right off the bat is like you said, the beat switch, the voice switch, you know, classic Kendrick uh, mm-hmm. characters. You know what I mean? When he's trying to portray that story, he's going to give you different characters to make sure that he comes through. One of the, the lyrics in there that I caught too was like, my defense mechanism is to get him because he got it. I mean, how many yeah. times, how many times have you like felt that, in, you know, in your own personal mm-hmm. life? You know what I mean? Yep. And then like uh, at the end, you got Snoop Dogg in there who comes in with a little, little excerpt, you know, he's like, you could take your homie out the hood, but you can't take your, <laughs> the hood out your homie. Yep. Like, you know, and for people that, people that grew up like that, a lot of times it's hard, you know what I mean? Especially when you're trying to do something different than, than what you're used to and what you're used to. Mm-hmm. So and, crazy. And it's, it's I, I can't remember what song it is. Maybe it's, maybe it's the Black or the Berries. So this is all the way at the end of the album. But there's at some point in the album where he says, only me and Snoop can push the button. Basically kind of like saying Snoop was on top uh, in the West Coast and now I got the torch. And the fact that he got Snoop on this song is just proof of that. Just like, like he's he's been endorsed by like all of the great West Coast rappers like Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg. So, you know, I think that was a dope thing for him to have Snoop on that song. For sure. He definitely came through. And he, you mentioned Dr. Dre. Dr. Dre was on one of the earlier tracks. Yeah. He definitely uh, caught that torch. And man, did he run with it. It's, it's again, hate to reemphasize it, but 2015. And this man is putting out information that is still so like 
with us today. Like that's just exactly. catching up to us today. He goes into track five, uh, these walls. Quick backstory for me. Uh, I don't know why I didn't catch on to like the perspective that he was telling mm-hmm. this from mm-hmm. until I, I replayed it and listened to it the other day. And I was like, oh, snap. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, got it. That makes sense. Yeah, I, man, this was, this was one of the songs where like once it ended, you just kind of had to sit back in awe like, wow, Kendrick is really one of the greatest. <laughs> like his storytelling, it's on another level. Like there's only a few artists in the game that I know that like tell stories and narratives through their music that connect across so many different like avenues. And yeah, like that whole last verse where like, you know, in the entire song, I guess he's kind of talking about, he was being corrupted by seeking revenge over his, his dead homie, who he talked about in good kid, mad city. And the whole song, he was kind of like given the metaphor I mean, there's there's so many paths of this metaphor. These walls talking about women, but also talking about the walls of the cocoon from the whole main theme, the like prison walls from coming straight off of institutionalized. It's it's kind of insane. But yeah, then that that last verse when his voice turned like real serious and like you could almost hear the hate in his voice when he was talking directly to the guy that killed his homie in jail was like, yo, this is this is serious. I was thinking about that too. Like as I was uh, going through the album, I'm like, he perfectly placed these songs together Mm -hmm. track by track. It's almost like if you were to try and like put track two at track three and track three at track two, you know, why would you do that? (laughs) Like, (laughs) like you've got to play this album and in that order so you can catch these messages. Mm -hmm. And then like at the end, I know he doesn't do it at every song and there's ultimately like an end goal at the end. But at the end of this song specifically, he he has like the beginning of his uh, his poem, I guess you can call it, Mm -hmm. where he drops a couple words and that that message just continues on. But it adds on. It's just it's just amazing. Honestly, it's it's almost like a movie in the form of an album. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Once I like caught on to what he was doing with the poem and like I noticed like, oh, He's adding a little bit with each song. And then I noticed that, oh, the part that he adds is kind of directly informing the song that comes after it. So I think in this one, he said, I remember you was conflicted, misusing your influence. Sometimes I did the same to start. And that was, you know, how he used his influence to like get with the baby mama of the dude that shot his homie. And then he ended it with uh, abusing my power, full of resentment, resentment that turned into a deep depression, found myself screaming in a hotel room, Ooh. which transitioned directly into you that started with him screaming. And man, we can we can jump right into you. But this, this is one of my favorite songs off the album. Yes, one of mine as well. Like you said, straight from the beginning, that's one of my first notes. They're screaming. Mm-hmm. So you're already like, okay, what's going on? You know, it sounded like some goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then you're getting hit with the loving you is complicated. So, OK, you got some screaming loving you is complicated. It's almost like we're getting set up again for that for that movie. Like, mm-hmm. OK, w- w- what are we talking about here? That first verse is very, very like blaming. It's very aggressive. Yeah. And then I remember I quoted one of these lyrics here. It's like, I can feel your vibe and recognize that you're ashamed of me. Mm. Yes, I hate you, too. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Yep. And then I think that was right before the beat switched in this song too, where it kind of it kind of cut off. And then I think you start you hear uh, like a housekeeper in the background, like knocking on the door, probably of yes. his hotel room. And then the beat just like completely changes. And I Flickering. noticed, yeah, yeah, exactly. And then he comes in with this like completely different voice, which is something he used before. I will always remember. There's a song he has. 
I don't think he ever put it on an album. It was just like a, a Lucy or something. It was called His Pain, and it featured BJ the Chicago Kid. And I will always remember this song because I'm like, yo, how how is he rapping like he's crying? I'm like, how can you even do that with your voice? Like, it sounds like he like he has a cracked voice from like screaming too much. But it's like, how can you do that on purpose? I've, I've still never figured out how he does that. It really just added to this song because then he starts really getting into like some self-deprecating like lyrics. He's like blaming himself, you know, his actions from when he, you know, started becoming famous and how he let a lot of things in his family life fall by the wayside and the guilt is eating him and he's just like hating himself for it. He's drinking during the verse. Like it's it's one of the most emotional songs I think I've heard from Kendrick. The saxophone and the music behind it just really adds to it. It's it's such a good song. Yeah, as you're talking about it, as we're talking about it right now, I'm getting chills because I'm thinking about the song <laughs> and I'm like thinking about all the pieces that put it together. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you said, he's drinking. You can hear though, literally there's a bottle clinking mm-hmm. in the song. That's crazy to put that on the track. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, one of the one of the uh, lyrics I quoted as well is a friend never leave Compton for profit. Mm. And now he's opening up about depression and, and mood swings more towards the end. How he closes it out, like everything is your fault. And so like he's... He's deep in the cocoon at this point. Like I think from the theme from the theme of the the album if if he just lets all of these thoughts that he's letting out in you if he lets them like take over, he can never like become the butterfly that he wants to become. Like he's he's fully like pimped by, you know, all of the different all the influences that are trying to like take him in a more negative direction. It's just, man, I I can't say enough about like how expertly he crafted this album. You just don't get artists doing stuff like this nowadays. You really don't. I'm trying to think back to like who's who's done something, I guess, to this emotion. Because if you mm-hmm. think about it too, he he's clearly struggling with some kind of like suicide, clearly. Yeah. So yeah. now you've got that stigma, you know, that goes around uh, African-American males. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? With like loving yourself and struggling with mental health. Well, clearly right. here he is portraying that. And again, you know, this is on a this is on an album. Right. Like, yeah, that's that's a that's a really good point. Like, especially in rap, like of of all music genres, like you don't really see male, black male artists like showing vulnerability in the track. And the ones that do are generally the ones that people really, really hear about or really talk about. Like J. Cole, for instance, like he does that all the time. And like that's one of the main reasons why a lot of people like J. Cole, because he keeps it real and he puts everything out there. And Kendrick does the exact same thing. Two powerhouses, man. Really yeah. came really came through. Mm-hmm. So coming off of this vibe, right? Mm-hmm. You got this sad, this sad vibe. <laughs> you come in on track seven. Man. At the single, all right. Wow. Complete it's, like empowerment. Yeah. Like so much, so much you can say about this song. It, it's funny because this song samples a song that Pharrell, so Pharrell produced this, but Pharrell had also produced a song called Presidential. It's on Rick Ross's album, God Forgives I Don't. It came out in 2012. So a few years before this. And it, it samples those exact same like, da, da, da. Like it, it's the exact same chords that Pharrell sampled. And and it was a really good song, and nobody talks about that song now. <laughs> because, Crazy, because this one over, overshined yeah, it, outshined exactly. It. <laughs> yeah, that that is crazy. I gotta see. That's one of the things I need to uh, side note. One of the things I need to get in more is like uh, the production, the sample, so I can catch a few mm-hmm. for songs that I know, mm-hmm. like that I'm familiar with. But like one of the things I really want to work on, I guess I'll put it put it in my goals is really understand uh, the production of a song. Yeah. 
Yeah, I feel you. Like albums like this too, they, you know, they sample stuff just to, just to catch you. Like just to be like, I wonder if anybody will notice that I sampled this song and stuff like that. So yeah, I always, that's one of the things in an album like this, after I listen to an album, I always go to the Wikipedia or like genius.com to see like who produced it, see what kind of samples I might've missed, stuff like that, because that really just makes the song even better when they, you know, took some other song they were influenced by and helped it influence their song. Definitely always shows the craft of it. Mm-hmm. On this All Right song, we said this was the single. Uh, he also performed this at the BET Awards mm-hmm. that he that we just talked about that he mentioned in uh, a couple tracks ago. Uh, I think this is the last time I watched the BET Awards, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But I just remember it being so, like we said, powerful. Like literally everybody was was jumping up and down. They're nodding their heads. They're rapping the lyrics. He's standing on top of like uh, two two police cars. He's got like a tattered flag in the background multiple background dancers coming through the crowds you know just getting that energy and this this is such an empowering time like people don't understand like all the things that were going on Mm -hmm. in 2015 going into 2016 you know this album was timely in itself this song of all songs like it really just it, it had a it had a like mind of its own like it you know became the anthem for the black lives matter movement it was you know, and directly coming off of that you song, which is why it's so jarring, because like he was at the lowest of lows in the you song. And then for that song to end, that sample hits. And like this one is just so joyous. It's like, oh, this is a completely different energy. And it like it kind of like wakes you up because you, your energy can start to get low with how that last song was. And this one takes you right up. And he's like, no, nah, you know what? We're going to be all right. I'm not going to let those influences stop me from my destiny. It's like, man. It's like, all right, Kendrick, I see what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, man, just powerful. He definitely knew what he was doing when he's putting this together. Mm-hmm. So again, the the poem comes up. So now we're adding on. Sometimes I did the same, abusing my power full of resentment that turned into a deep depression and found myself screaming in the hotel room. I didn't want to self-destruct. The evils of Lucy was all around me. So I went running for answers. Mm-hmm how he ends it then we go into the for sale interlude which when i think of an interlude i'm usually thinking of like 30 seconds right right but that was not the case <laughs> not in kendrick's world <laughs> no not the not the case the the song i remember sounds with it starts with like heavy breathing mm-hmm. yeah like like, like uh i don't want to say like slaves like on the plantation and running away or something crazy like mm-hmm. that but you kind of mm-hmm. you kind of get that feeling yep. it's like uh you hear the jazz starting to come up yeah funky sound Right. And then it, and it's almost like it's almost like somebody got knocked out because then you, you kind of feel like you're in a daze and you're just waking up. Yeah. Yeah. And then Kendrick hits you with that that character. Mm-hmm. And now we're getting started. Exactly. One of uh, one of the things and I, I think I mentioned this earlier about this album is I'm always finding new things. It doesn't matter. Like like when I listen to it, I'm always finding uh, something new in this album. And I saw a theory and it might not even be a theory because I think it checks out that was saying that every song on this album had a counterpart to it. And I was like, huh, okay. I mean, I know there was four free and there was four sale. And then I started to look at it and, you know, it's 16 tracks. And I do think that every single song has, you know, an opposite song to it. So, you know, in For Free, I think we were talking about how in that song, the theme was how everybody's trying to like pimp out Black people, try to, especially with artists, try to entice them with all these nice things. And Kendrick was like, nah, I'm not for it. But in For Sale, he really <laughs> starts to like 
get into how tempting those things can be. And he's talking from the perspective of Lucifer and he's trying to draw Kendrick in like, yo, I got all these promises and promises like, yo, like this stuff is really nice. Like you sure you don't want it. And so I was like, okay, I can see how he's kind of trying to like just pose the two songs. But yeah, yeah, I really like the song again. Like the the jazziness of it is definitely a highlight. And it's it's very important that you say that too, because like if you're uh, if you're just listening to this album casually, some of these things you're really not going to catch. Like you're not going to catch some of these meanings. If you're not thinking about it in that way when you're letting it play, you're really not going to see, you know, his vision, what he's trying to portray. So I do have a I do have a question. So in there he says, uh, Shireen ain't got nothing on Lucy. So I'm not like a, a crazy Kendrick fan. Who is Shireen? I've heard her name before. I don't know if you know. Or who is she? So, uh, who is this? Ladies and gentlemen, if you're like me and you want to know who Shireen is or you already know who Shireen is, please make sure that you tune into the final part of this album review on the next episode. Thank you for listening. Please make sure that you rate, subscribe, review, download, leave your inputs. want to give a special shout out to the homie Ahmad for coming through and dropping mad knowledge on us. Special shout out to DJ. He wasn't able to finish out with us, but he will be back on the next album. With that being said... We will be doing a four-part album review with Ahmad, so please stay tuned for that. Follow him on his socials and follow us on Instagram at Small Victories and Side Notes underscore Pod. Peace.